Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Let's talk about Steve Bannon. Any idea that there's a new Donald Trump, right? Any idea that the Donald Trump we heard during the campaign, and some people have said this, that was just campaigning, all those crazy things he said, all those wild ideas about throwing all the immigrants out, rounding them up and deporting them, throwing them out of the country. All this talk about, we're going to have a religious test, we're not going to let any Muslims into this country, right? Uh, All this talk about Black Lives Matter being... Um, some radical revolutionaries who are going to take down the government and maybe ought to be, they ought to be rounded up and, and locked up. For all this talk about lock up Hillary, uh, you think that is gone just because now Donald Trump is the president-elect? No way, no how. And he proved it by naming as his special conciliary in the White House, <laughs> right, his chief strategist in the White House, Steve Bannon, the former head of Breitbart News, who is a known and proud hater, a known and a proud white nationalist, if not a white supremacist, and I think it's fair to call him a white supremacist. And he brags about that as head of Breitbart, that's Breitbart News, that's what Breitbart had become uh, under his leadership. And again, the president, any president, has the right to name the people that he or she someday wants to uh, help run the government, to be the leaders of their administration. President Bush did, President Obama did, and President, when he's there, Trump will as well. And now, as he's putting his administration together, that's his privilege, that's his right, nobody would take it away from them. At the same time, and we're not always happy with the people they uh, they they name. I wasn't happy with all the people that President Obama named, but again, that's their, they, they, that comes with the territory, right? However, you can also tell a lot about the person who is leading the country by the per- people that he appoints to be around him and close to him, and uh, and naming Steve Breitbart says an awful lot about Donald Trump, which is he really believes that nonsense, believes those outrageous uh, things that he said. And that he will try, try as president to bring them about. I'll tell you what all I needed to know uh, about what kind of a person Steve Bannon is. I went to Breitbart.com for the first time oh. probably ever. Yeah. Uh, it's a scary website. It's, uh, honest to God, yeah. no, I've checked it, it is out. a it's, weird, yeah. scary website. But <laughs> on the front page, I lost count at five different headlines proclaiming that Steve Bannon is not an anti-Semite. Orthodox, <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. Right off the right at the top, Orthodox Jewish Breitbart editor refutes bogus claims against uh, against Bannon. Coulter, Priebus Bannon hires brilliant. Uh, go a little bit farther down. Stephen Bannon is a friend of the Jewish people and defender of Israel. 
Charlie Charles Hurt, a Republican uh, commentator, calling Bannon anti-Semitic or racist absurd cheapens those terms. Ben yeah. Carson's former press secretary on Bannon's racist allegations. I have no patience for that. I can keep going. Yeah, right. Those are but, all on the front page of Breitbart.com right now. All right, but this is a guy who did say, he told Mother Jones uh, just last summer that uh, Breitbart was, in fact, the home of the alt-right. And, you know, Hillary talks a lot about the alt-right. Now we've learned what the alt-right really is all about. The alt-right are those extreme white nationalists who do believe that Western civilization is going down because there are too many minorities now, too many minorities in power in this country, uh, the rising tide, if you will. Uh, they, 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 they fear that, and they want to turn it back. And again, you want to know, Peter, you, you mentioned that Breitbart is defending the nomination of Steve Bannon. And, by, and, and, and let's also back up just a little bit. So he announces Bannon and Priebus at the same time. It was noted and noteworthy that Bannon was the first announcement, and then, oh, by the way, we also named Reince Priebus, who is a Washington insider as chief of staff. But clearly, the person who's got the most influence on Donald Trump is Steve Breitbart. So, Steve, Bannon. Um, Steve, Bannon. Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon, I'm sorry. Uh, David Duke, David Duke said that, former wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, right, called the choice excellent. The chair of the American Nazi Party praised the choice of Steve Bannon, saying it proves that Mr. Trump might, in fact, be for real. Uh, and again, David Duke saying that Mr. Bannon was basically creating the ideological aspects of where we are going. Um, Peter, you mentioned going to the uh, Breitbart website. Again, any doubt about who this guy is? Here's some of the headlines, recent headlines from Breitbart. Um, two weeks after the massacre at the Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, Breitbart had a headline, Hoist it high and proud, the Confederate flag proclaims a glorious heritage. Uh, another headline, recent headline, birth control makes women unattractive and crazy. Uh, Gabby Giffords, here's another one. Gabby Giffords, the gun control movement's human shield. How disgusting. This is the guy that Donald Trump has picked up, run his campaign, came in in August, and then uh, and then moving on now as the chief strategist for the president of the United States. And, and by the way, one of the one of the most talked about headlines that they had was this one of Bill Crystal, who oh, uh, I'm no right, big yeah, I'm no big right. fan of. No, I'd hate to rush to his defense. About, you talk about this guy's not anti-Semitic. Listen yeah. to this. Bill Crystal, Republican spoiler, comma renegade Jew. Yeah, right. And the Trump people, of course, now they're circling the wagons and defending. This guy. Uh, here is Reince Priebus yesterday. I find him not to be uh, the way that he's being accused. I find him to be the opposite. And I think people need to, to give people time and give people an opportunity and not make judgments. Don't judge people based on what other people say. Well, we're not judging him based on what other people say. We're judging him based on what he has said and what he has written. I mean, this guy was publisher of a major web conservative. No, it's, it's wrong to call a conservative website. It's an extremist, yeah, right. extremist, radical right website. And we know what he stands for because he proudly 
uh, hoisted that banner every day uh, on his website. But again, Reince Priebus saying, no, no, he's a really a good guy. Um, Newt Gingrich on Fox News Sunday. Steve Bannon is a naval officer. He was a managing partner of Goldman Sachs. He was, a, he was a Hollywood movie producer. You know, the idea that somehow he represents, I'd never heard of the alt-right until the nutcake started writing about it. Yeah, well, maybe he didn't hear the phrase alt-right, but we know what white supremacist means. We know what the American Nazi Party means. We know what the KKK is, Newt Gingrich. But again, Newt's just looking for a job for himself. Yeah. So he's, he's playing, you know, Mr. Nice Guy. And I heard last night Tucker Carlson... Uh, my friend uh, had his first uh, show, Tucker Carlson, at night on Fox News. One of his guests was Laura Ingram, who's rumored to be in line to be the next press secretary of the White House. And she was praising Steve Bannon on the news. They're such a great guy, such a brilliant guy. So they're all putting all these people out there to praise Steve Bannon. He is a disaster. It was a uh, different kind of show, a different mood one week ago today, um, but we know what happened, and we are glad to welcome back to the studio uh, to talk about it, Arthur Delaney from Huffington Post, or as we call him, Mr. 98%. Good morning. <laughs> All right, Arthur, you left here last a week ago today. We could roll the tape if we wanted to. A 98% chance that Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president of the United States, according to the HuffPo poll-eating machine. Yeah. Have you now junked the machine? The, the, Is the, it on the trash heap of history? We've got it eating sandwiches for a little while instead of polls. <laughs> yeah, well. The polls gave it some indigestion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they turned out to be bad polls. Oh, you're blaming it on the on the polls. Yeah, they, all the polls were wrong. Why? That's something they actually don't know, and there are a few theories. There's the, the shy Trump voters theory, where people who support Donald Trump were less interested in talking to pollsters. The Bradley effect, as some people call it, right? Sure. Uh, and th there's that and some other things. I mean, they're they're just beginning to get into it. There's going to be a commission of pollsters to figure out Is there? what went wrong. There I mean, should, a, There should be. The guy at Princeton said there was a 99% chance that Clinton would win. So this was... Uh, not good is the for polling. Well, <laughs> to say the least, is the technology wrong? Uh, the, it, the tech some people say they don't talk to people on cell phones. I mean... Yeah, there, that, that, for example, could be another problem. What is the distribution of people who are using landlines versus cell phones? Like, it's a really complicated stuff, and people with PhDs who design these surveys and figure out what is the margin of error. And I don't know, you know, exactly where they're going with their investigation of the, of polacalypse, which is what you could call the disaster <laughs> yeah. of polling last week. They just totally missed the amount of Donald Trump support um, late in the election. I mean, it could be that it was just breaking late. And this is another possibility that the effect of the Comey letter and the Comey second letter didn't fully get absorbed into the polling before it was too late. It was not just the, I mean, we sort of started differentiating pollsters and prognosticators, right? I mean, like the pollsters do the either the daily or they go out on the phones and they talk yeah. to people. 
the prognosticators don't do the polling, but they look at the they look, I guess, at the polling, and then particularly they look at the electoral vote. Like I'm thinking about uh, Larry Sabato's Center for Politics down at the University of Virginia. Um, Charlie Cook, I think, did the same thing. They they and but they're even on the electoral vote count, they were way off. Yeah. So yeah, we. I mean, all of them had Hillary well over 300. Our our forecast model was strictly polls. Just what the polls in states. Yeah. And it was wrong. Some of the other models, like Nate Silver's, incorporate other stuff like economic data and uh, historical data. That that uh, in his, in Nate Silver's case, he had a lower probability, which was you know probably good, but, but still but still said it was two to one odds that Clinton would win. I mean, it was just a complete miss. So is it time to get rid of the electoral college? That's a a great question. I uh, <laughs> I mean ser- seriously, if the person why shouldn't the person who gets the most votes win an election? I don't know. I mean the electoral even if call, it happens it, to be a Republican, it's I just mean, one of many things we've got in our government designed to uh, prevent direct democracy from happen happening. I mean we only had a uh, direct election of senators in what the last. Maybe hundred years. Uh, hundred so. years. So it's yeah. we we are not a direct democracy, and this is one of the ways that we don't. This has happened at least five times. Well, I, I mean, in our I history. Want, I, I want somebody. I want maybe you, Arthur, to start a movement to get rid of the election. It's also well, isn't it weird to say now we've got to get rid of it after our, our guy lost? No, no. We um, Al Gore. The same thing happened to Al Gore. Yeah. He won the popular six, vote. Six out of the last seven presidential elections. Democrats have won the popular vote. Yeah. And by the time that this is all said and done, there are people who expect that Hillary Clinton is going to win the popular vote by two million votes. And I, I, it, I doubt that. I, I doubt that. But some people have said that that's yeah. that's where it, it, I mean, it, she's already way, way up. Yeah. But but in this particular instance, look, they both knew the terms going in. They both knew they had to win the Electoral College. Oh, yeah. It's over and yeah. Done. yeah. Right. Right. Remind your friends that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. That'll be a nice little comfort to you if you are a Hillary no. Clinton supporter. But, yeah, moving forward. No, I don't find it a comfort to me. I've all right. long felt that we ought to get rid of the Electoral College. It's also a way, let's face it, of protecting, and that's the way it was in the, it's in the Constitution, to protect the small rural States. Yeah, right? that's the whole. From I mean, being it, eaten yeah. up by New York and California. It's like having this Illinois no, right. yeah. disproportionate representation in the Senate. It's it's similar to having right. members of the House elect members of the Senate. But it's, it's old school. It's sure. fundamentally undemocratic, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Of course it is. Yes. I mean, that's yes. our our government is not designed to be all that democratic. It's a representative democracy, not a direct one. And this is just one of several things. That prevents the people, people from really working their will, but which I is what the the founders' great insight: we can't let the people just do whatever they want, or it'll it won't work. Well, I trust the people, but I trust the people to make the right decision. And republic, whether it's a Republican or Democrat who wins, I do believe the person who gets to me that's fundamentally what an election is all about: the person who gets the most votes. Wins. I, uh, period. I don't understand a 21st century justification but, for the Electoral College. No, but you know what? It just feels like the, such sour grapes. The Electoral College <laughs> makes as much sense as giving blacks two thirds of a vote. I, it's got the same which we did. That was exactly. one of our old school ideas. Right. 
Okay. That well, is no good. All right. I want you to come out of here to go out of here today with the <laughs> drive to get rid of the uh, to get rid of the electoral college. Hey everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Look who stopped by. Igor Volsky from the Center for American Progress Action Fund, Deputy Director, if you please. Well, Igor, a week ago today we were uh, popping the champagne prematurely. And as it turns out... Here we are. <laughs> Incorrectly. Here we are drinking just coffee. <laughs> right. Spiked, but yeah, coffee. Yeah, but there was bourbon yeah, in well, that, let's be clear. <laughs> it's only been a week. Yeah. <laughs> Your comments on Steve Batten. Woo, man. You know, I got into a fight. I was uh, on C- CBSN, you know, the online CBS yeah. thing. And we were talking about this. This was, right, this was in reaction to the 60 Minutes interview that Trump did on Sunday with his family. And there was a Republican strategist there who who said in response to this very question you're asking me that it's no big deal because people oh. said the same thing about Karl Rove, that he was kind of outside of the establishment and he came in and he kind of shook Washington up. And I said to her, don't you dare normalize this person or compare him to Karl Rove or anybody else I mean, we had. Karl Rove, I disagree uh, with his policies. He was no racist. He, he was, was no, no racist. He was no anti-Semite. He yeah. was no Islamophobe. Uh, he was no white nationalist, white supremacist, and self-identified This is how such. bad Steve Bannon is, is we're saying that Karl Rove wasn't that bad. <laughs> That's the Karl Rove was really, really bad. But you're right. He wasn't an anti-Semite. He wasn't openly racist. I think that a lot of his policies were were straight up racist. I mean, Karl Rove was a bad person, and in comparison to Steve Bannon, he looks wonderful. And what's really sad to me, what's been very disheartening, you know, I I mean, I'm not a super partisan person, and I think that there are Republicans out there who, you know, are good people, blah, 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 blah. But we haven't seen, to my knowledge, a single elected Republican— condemn Steve Bannon publicly since uh, he's been appointed or he, the, it's been, the intention has been announced. Not a single one. And if I'm wrong, I want to see who it is. Uh, but not Susan no, Collins, not Jeff no. Flake, not these so-called moderates we hear. Huh. And no. that is shameful. Yeah, right. That is absolutely shameful. It is. And yet at the same time, yesterday, before he left on his final foreign voyage as president, uh, President Obama at the news conference yesterday was asked, uh, about Steve Bannon, and uh, he ducked. Here it is. Without copping out, I think it's fair to say that uh, uh, it would not be appropriate for me to comment on every appointment that uh, the president-elect starts making um, if I want to be consistent with the notion that we're going to try to facilitate a smooth transition. Now, 
Mr. That President, that breaks my heart, man. I would have to say, you don't have to comment on every single appointment. He's right. <laughs> but this one, it seems to me, does merit some comment. When you have David Duke saying, this is an excellent choice, when you have the head of the American Nazi Party saying, this proves that Donald Trump is actually for real, I think it merits some comment. Don't you think the president could at least have said, well, let me just put it this way. I wouldn't have named that guy. You know, in the context, you also consider the context, Bill, of around the country, over 250 reported, reported crimes against minorities, against African-Americans, Hispanics, uh, Muslims that have broken out uh, after the election of Donald Trump, 250, according yeah, to the Southern yeah, Poverty Law yeah, Center. Right. Now, that's as many reports they get in a period of five to six months. They got into a, in a yeah. period of five to six no, days. In the last, right. In the last week, there have been that many incidents of, of, of actual violence and hate on the part of the Trump supporters. And when Donald Trump was asked about it on 60 Minutes on Sunday, he gave the most checks, check box answer of, stop it, stop it. Yeah. I'll turn to the camera. I'll say, stop it. But he didn't appeal to their better natures. He didn't make a case for why this isn't what America stands for, what America has always been. Just stop it. And the appointment of Bannon, who speaks to maybe not necessarily people who commit the violence, but to that movement where these people grow out of, just reinforces the fact that he's okay with it. Th this is yes. a trend. Yes. yes, yes. Right? All right, so why didn't Obama say that? Well, look, Obama is trying to uphold... We know Obama, right? He He's trying to uphold this notion that the outgoing president doesn't criticize the incoming president. It's what George W. Bush did for him, and he clearly found it helpful, and he's trying to abide by this kind of thing. But I think sooner or later he's going to realize that Donald Trump isn't a normal president, that these aren't normal times, and if Republicans and aren't going to speak out again, and not a normal guy, normal then maybe Obama either. has a responsibility like George W. Bush didn't, because Obama didn't do this kind of thing, to break with that tradition and say something, because that's more important this is beyond the um, yeah. than if, that. If, if, this, you this believe, beyond the if you believe that the Donald Trump presidency is more than just a Republican winning, right, which I do, and, and if I take the president at his word and listen to what he said when he was out of the campaign trail, this is not just a matter of Republicans versus Democrats. This is a much, much bigger problem than that. I would expect him at some point to break that protocol yeah. and to break whatever tradition we have of respecting the office and actually speaking directly to the fact that Donald Trump is not a serious person. Yeah. I mean, he, he very well might have to do that before these, what, 68 days or however many days we have left are out. I mean, this is, you know, and you saw that story, Trump... It, uh, came into the Oval Office when he met with Obama, was shocked to learn, shocked to yeah. learn that he had to staff his administration. Yeah, I mean, shocking. I have to appoint people to work in the way. What? I, oh, I didn't think that. I thought and then, of course, you find all yeah. these lobbyists he brought in immediately. Right. Drain the swamp. Yeah. Again, uh, the president could have stuck true to saying, you know, any president has the right to appoint whomever they want, right? Uh, but this guy is not one who would have been on my list. Just to say that would have been better than taking a dive yesterday. After a seven-week break, Congress is back in town for one week before they go out again. <laughs> I mean, they'll be so tired after being back for one week. They'll need another break. 
Uh, and Scott Wong covers the Hill for the, the Hill. Right. Uh, and here in studio with us. So, Scott, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, there is a big election on the Hill today, right? Uh, in the House or there, in the Republican side? Paul Ryan running for re-election. How many people running against him? Absolutely zero. Okay, all right. So this should be easy. <laughs> Boy, has that changed from where a couple of weeks ago everybody was couple speculating whether ago, he would survive. Yeah, I wrote a story a couple of weeks ago saying that there was, there was chatter, a lot of rumors uh, on Capitol Hill that uh, a large number of, of Republicans were going to defect from Ryan yeah. uh, over his distancing from Donald Trump. Right. The GOP nominee. And, so what happened? Well... In that final stretch, Ryan did uh, come around to Trump after all of that waffling throughout this entire campaign. He did. I think he saw the writing on the wall. Like the last day or two days. It was it was like a four day stretch where he went all out for Donald Trump. Uh, He offered to campaign with him. uh, But Donald Trump declined that that request. Um, (laughs) And so, you know. Ryan, uh, the the results of the election changed the, you know, all of the dynamics. So Ryan, uh, Ryan now is looking pretty good. I mean, a lot of those concerns have dissipated. Uh, You know, people are focusing now on on the agenda and what they can actually push through. So do you think that was enough to heal the divide between Trump and and Ryan? Because they're two they're two different kind of cats. They're very they're very opposite. Yeah. Ryan is a very cautious politician. Uh, you know, every and word a nerd, is a measured. policy nerd, right? I mean, well, that's that's the image that he has cultivated on Capitol Hill over these past twenty yeah, years. Yeah, um, and Donald but, Trump but is just the opposite. But certainly, Ryan is a very good politician. I mean, the way that he yeah. handled this uh, election. I mean, some people certainly didn't like it, but Ryan survived uh, for the most part. So and, you believe he'll be reelected as speaker today, right? He will be. Renominated as speaker. Basically, they have an internal election in a closed door room. It's a yeah. secret ballot. Yeah. All he has to do is win a majority of of Republicans. Uh-huh. The real test will be uh, in January, January third. It's the first vote of the year when they come back after the new oh, year. I got it. And seat the new Congress, and the first vote yeah. is the vote for speaker. And that's when you know they they do the roll call. They call out all the names, and you have to say who you're voting for for speaker. So is, uh, is, he needs, and he needs 218. In that vote, as you know, which is half of the entire House of Representatives, and that that's a much tougher tougher vote. But it looks like, given their margins, and they had a pretty good night on election night, given their margins, he can he can afford to lose quite a few Republicans and still remain Speaker. Do the Democrats have their internal vote today as well? No, I think I think that vote is scheduled for Thursday. Uh-huh. And actually, because of the result of the election, and the fact that Democrats did not make up that many seats as they were supposed to. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is facing a bit of a challenge uh, now. She's she, There's a lot of grumblings in the rank and file, as there always is every two years. But there's, you know, I think uh, there, there's a real argument to be made now after they didn't really make up that much ground. You yeah. know, what, what has the leadership really been doing for us? And so there's a lot of there's a lot of folks. Maybe they'll they'll talk to you privately. There's a lot of folks who who do want some change at the top on the Democratic side. Is there a candidate against Nancy Pelosi? There is. Uh, Tim Ryan from Ohio uh, has been frequent guest on our show. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So you know you know Mr. Ryan well, uh, and he has been making calls. I talked to 
uh, a couple lawmakers who actually have received calls and texts from him saying, what do you think about me taking on Nancy Pelosi? So this is a real thing, and, and his office is not denying it. They're saying they're looking at it. The real question is, is this is this for real or is this a publicity yeah. stunt? He's also mentioned as a gubernatorial candidate back in, in Ohio in a couple years. So that's the real question. I want to come back to Paul Ryan for a second. Sure. Um, to what extent is his position strengthened by the fact that his best friend, Reince Priebus, will be the new president's chief of staff? I think there's two ways to look at that. On the one hand, yes, uh, his hand is strengthened. It's it's helpful to Paul Ryan that his very close political ally and very close friend from Wisconsin, his home state, Reince Priebus, is the new chief of staff of the White House. Um, that The chief of staff obviously makes a lot of the tough calls in the White House when, when Donald Trump can't be there to make those calls. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's in the room discussing strategy. On the other hand, um, having Steve Bannon as another right-hand man for Donald Trump, Yeah. Uh, Bannon is one of the fiercest Paul Ryan critics out there. Uh, you know, from his days leading Breitbart, I'm sure you guys have discussed on this show, um, you know, very personal he, he attacks. He supported Paul Ryan. Ryan's opponent and, and and said basically that Paul Ryan is a part of the Republican Party that, right. that Breitbart hates. Right, and the attacks were very personal. I mean, it yeah, got into, yeah. like, where he, where he was sending his kids to school. Mm-hmm. They sent a reporter out to cover a rally out in front of Paul Ryan's home where his children live um, in Janesville, Wisconsin. So things got very personal. If you look and if you read the headlines, I mean, he, you know, even Steve Bannon, as I reported earlier this year with one of my colleagues, Steve Bannon on his radio show, he had a radio show at Breitbart, um, had made some anti-Catholic comments about Paul Ryan saying, you know, I'm, I'm sick and tired of Paul Ryan, you know, rubbing his social justice, Catholicism, you know, in my nose every single day. Um, so, so there's no, there's no love between yeah. those two men. And, um, so this kind of, but anyhow, Priebus, Ryan will have uh, a link to the White House that's going to be pretty strong in Priebus, so at least get to balance that out a little bit, right? Right, yes. We welcome, uh, as a good friend and a friend of Bill here for the entire hour, Emma Roller from the beleaguered New York Times that uh, <laughs> Donald Trump wants to shut down if he only had his way. So, Emma, let's talk about uh, the, the New York Times. There is the, uh, the allegation that the New York Times is losing massive amounts of subscription, so many that the New York Times is probably going to go out of business. Uh, <laughs> well, that is not true at all. Um you know, I'm I'm not like a spokesman spokesperson for the company, but uh, the New York Times official communications put out a statement, I think, a couple of days ago or whenever that happened, saying that subscriptions are are way up and up at a higher rate than than normal. And I think it's because a lot of people are it's becoming very real um, about the crucial role journalists are going to play in the next you know weeks, months, and years. Um, so just to get my own plug in, subscribe. If yes. you don't have to subscribe to the New York Times, but you know, just subscribe. Subscribe to your local newspaper. Um, support journalism because that is how we get back to a, a fact-based society. 
Uh, it's really important to point out because we were talking about this, you know, during during the break. We talked about this a couple of times. Under a Donald Trump presidency, we literally have no clue what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And you can just look at all of his comments and actions in the public forum, and and you can make an argument that he you can never ever 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 figure out what he's going to do. So some people have pointed out that he doesn't like the press. He ran a whole campaign hating on the press. There's nothing that says that a president has to have a press corps. Right. There's nothing that says that they have to have White House press briefings, which have been going on for decades and spanning numerous presidents. They could just turn the White House press briefing room back into a swimming pool. (laughs) <laughs> they don't have to let anybody follow Trump around in the protective pool. We could very well find ourselves having no clue what the president is up to other uh, than what they leak out to us. And uh, that is dangerous. Uh, by the way, for the record, uh, the pool is still there. Uh, right. True. <laughs> I have been in the pool. If you go down the basement under. Really? Yeah. If you go down under the briefing room mm-hmm. down, down, down the basement there, which it's not usually accessible, but I've been down there. It's, it's, it's still a swimming pool. That's where Bill goes to smoke weed during press conferences. It is still a swimming pool. So all it would take is taking the floor off and then filling maybe, it with water. You know, maybe on, on at the first press conference with Laura Ingram as press secretary, they'll uh, open up the floor <laughs> yeah, right. under the right. feet While of people the are press there, floor yeah. and dump all of the press <laughs> like corps into like the pool. Like a James Bond movie, yes. the trap door where everyone falls into right. a pool of sharks. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I want to I come back to something you said. Uh, I, would, I would say, which you, you didn't say, yes, support your local newspaper for sure, but also I would say subscribe to the New York Times. I do. I think it's the best paper in the nation. Uh, and what I don't understand is... Um, Okay, the New York Times endorsed Hillary Clinton, but so did like 98 and, out yeah. of 100 of the leading 100 papers in the country, mm-hmm. right? So the, that that hardly the, the set part. And the New York Times did some pretty tough investigative reporting on the, on on Donald Trump, mm-hmm. but also on Hillary Clinton. The New York Times are the ones that came out with all the stuff about the yeah. the Clinton Foundation and, and the broke the email server and story. broke the email server story. Um, and so what's the real beef, right? I mean, it's not like the Times got anything wrong. Uh, well, not to explain your own work to you, because I know you wrote a whole book about this, but I honestly (laughs) think that, um, right-wing media and particularly talk radio, uh, has just engendered this total distrust of any mainstream journalism in the Republican Party base. And that has become, you know, mainstream as we see now. And and um, I think that, you know, even uh, do you know who Charlie Sykes is? So I'm I'm from Milwaukee and Charlie Sykes. Yes, yes, yes. Right. For my whole childhood and growing up, he was the most popular you know, sort of Republican right. radio host in Milwaukee. The one who opposed, came out of uh, opposition to Donald yes. Trump, and, and Trump actually appeared on his radio show. Right, right, and did, and did an interview on there. Yeah. So um, I actually really admire Charlie Sykes for sort of having this come-to-Jesus moment of mm-hmm. with Donald Trump and saying, no, yeah, I, I cannot right. support this man. And he's actually, Charlie Sykes is actually leaving talk radio, which um, is... Hmm disheartening mm-hmm. because I do think we need, you know, voices like that on the right. Um, 
But he gave a really interesting quote to Business Insider back in August where, you know, he said, it's impossible to basically convince your listeners of any inconvenient facts now because the uh, the field has been been set, so to speak, for, you know, total distrust of anything coming out of, you know, any outlet that does not have an explicit Republican bias. Now, so uh, on this theme, Sean Hannity has suggested and and proposed to Donald Trump that he um, ban the New York Times, reporters for the New York Times, and for the Washington Post from the White House briefing room. Right. Well, what kind of a precedent does that set? Yeah. Or what kind of a message does that send? Well, Sean Hannity loves to say that he's not a journalist. That's sort of his default defense of about anything. So I don't think anyone should listen to him. <laughs> yeah. About journalistic standards. Yeah. Or about anything. That's my, in my honest opinion. I mean, yeah. I know he a lot of people do listen to him. Right. And he has a huge viewership on Fox. But as a member of the White House press corps, and I go to the briefing room as often as I can, can't get there every day anymore. But um, there's fear, and I've, I've talked to a lot of my colleagues there. There's a lot of fear among uh, Peter, as you, as you just indicated, that um, they will either um, not call on people that they don't like, whoever the right. press secretary, is, or ban some people there, or actually from coming, or ban, or actually end pr- the daily press briefing altogether. There's mm-hmm. no constitutional obligation right. that a president has to hold news conferences or make the press secretary available every day for a White House briefing. Mm-hmm. And God knows Donald Trump uh, has no affection for the media. I mean, look at his rallies. He even singled out reporters by name and criticized them by name. Um, uh, most recently, Katie Turk. Katie Turk. Katie, Katie Turk. Turk. Good grief, that poor woman. But then he also pointed out the media and asked the crowd. I mean, turn around basically and oh yeah, I, I've and, been and there. Boo- yeah, 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 I've been right. in the press pens. Um, Which is pretty frightening. Um, but just to push back a little bit about what you said, I think Donald Trump likes people to think that he hates the press. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, because the press, uh, quote unquote, represents the sort of elite that he likes people to think that he is fighting against and trying to dismantle, right? Um, but Donald Trump loves publicity more than any other Good point. person, Good point. Right. maybe, in America. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> other than Kim Kardashian. Um, <laughs> so he needs that affirmation and he needs attention in a way that is very personal and almost psychological plus plus let's face it he would not be where he is today without the media without the media sure the parting shot with bill press this is the Bill Press Show. Well, ending on a sad note today, it's not been a good year for members of the media, but a few members still stand out for their professionalism and excellent reporting, and nobody better than Gwen Eiffel. A good friend of mine, an outstanding person, a world-class journalist, and a real trailblazer. The first woman to moderate a vice presidential debate went on to moderate a debate this year between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, and every night she joined Judy Woodruff in hosting... The PBS NewsHour, the best, I believe, and the most objective 
news program on television. We lost Gwen Ifo yesterday at the young age of 61, but she will live on as an inspiration to journalists everywhere. She made us all proud. My parting shout for today, folks. Have a good Tuesday. Come back tomorrow. This we'll be looking is the for you. Bill Press Show.